this week on Big Meow. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at digmeoutunion.com or dmounion.com. Jay, it's a round table, although right now it's a triangle <laughs> because a uh, round table is a little bit small at the moment. Uh, we might be getting some more people stopping by. But this round table, this discussion that we're having is about fake bands and artists. These are these are some of them we wish they would exist. Some of them we're glad they don't. Um, but we're going to talk about bands that were in movies and televisions, uh, television shows in the 90s that, um, you know, were actually pretty good for the most part. Some of them weren't, but a lot of them were. Uh, this lost out or this beat out um, the inverse, which was going to be actors who were in TV or, or musicians who were in um, TV shows and movies or vice versa actors who were in bands. That was going to be the other round table option, but people went with this one. Uh, it was the vote was not close. It was like a hundred percent this, this topic. <laughs> So um, we'll have to talk about Dog Star in a separate episode. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Keanu. Oh wow, I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, joining us, he's back, Mr. Eric Peterson. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So let's get into it. Uh, the '90s were were chock full of all sorts of bands and and artists who didn't really exist other than for two hours on screen at our, our cineplex or perhaps on a weekly television show. Um, some of them were brought to life via actual songwriters, which we'll get into. And then some of them were the creation of say um, uh, professional songwriters, or some of them even dipped into the actual artists or the actual like, um, actors pulled them off so we'll have a lot to cover with this so let me let me ask you guys when you think of fake bands or 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 movie bands or tv show bands what is like the the first one from the 90s that that pops into your head eric i'll start with you okay well we're gonna start off with with a bang with the one i came here to really talk about it's a band called strange fruit from a film called still crazy yes either of you seen this or yes. This. Yep. All right. So the the, the movies, uh, what I would call a mid-range, mid-budget uh, British film that's about a the reformation of a 70s kind of hard rock, not quite metal. They're probably called metal in the 70s, but hard rock, psychedelic, uh, poppy band. And it's about the, the members who are now uh, in their 50s, approaching 60, getting together for a, a big reunion to play the newest iteration of a festival that they played back in the 70s. And uh, it's it's actually a, a movie I like quite a bit. And I think what's great about it is 
that while some of the beats are are kind of predictable, the performances are great. You have a mixture of of actors and singers who act, who uh, who carry off the music. And some of the best music on here was written by I believe the guys were in the band Squeeze or Crowded House, one of the two. Okay. So th- there's some there's some really really solid kind of uh, of um, pop rock harder. It's not power pop, but it's more. Um, it's rock and roll. It's harder, but it's still got a poppy edge. It's not ACDC. It's maybe more. And uh, and this is not a disparagement because I actually like this band a lot. It's maybe a little bit more towards uh, rock set as far as that level of of loud, energetic pop. And then there's a couple of really solid ballads on, on uh, in the film. And uh, it's one I really like and I really recommend. And I wish it would get a Blu-ray and more people would hear it, hear the music and see the movie. All over the world tonight, clocks are spinning around. You're putting the world to right. The weak are dreaming. Crossing the borders of innocence. We're breaking down the walls of time. All over the world, it's a happening. I remember it. Jay, do you remember it? Yeah, I've seen um, either the full movie or portions of it over the years. I, I thought the music was like a slightly more rocking alarm. Like, the, you remember the alarm? Like, rain in yeah. the summertime. And, like, it had that kind of vibe where it was like, there's, there's, they're playing poppy music, but there can be some, like, edge to it. Um, but, uh, I think they wanted it to be from the, like the, the band, like they wanted it to fall into like from their look, like the who territory, like the bass player looks a lot like, um, like John Entwistle at at Mm -hmm. points in the movie. (laughs) And, uh, but it's a, it's a really good cast. Like the whole, yeah, the band is really all really good actors. Bill Nye, he's really great in this. Stephen yeah. Ray is solid. Even, you know, Billy Conley's pretty. It's a lot of fun providing kind of the comic relief, but also the narrator. But he does not, he does not have so much screen time that it becomes, becomes the Billy Conley show. I think that's, that's a good right. balance. And there's, there's a little bit of a romance and a little bit of some teenage stuff going on. But I think overall it balanced it out really well. And if you're looking for a film that is just your, feel good but entertaining with some heart and maybe something to say about aging and friendship it's a solid watch i uh, yeah I, I revisited the videos or songs from two of the songs from the show or from the movie on youtube today and i was like pleasantly surprised how well they stood up for being uh movie songs yeah so uh jay what's a band from this era or or artist that uh that first pops into mind 
the first one that came to mind for me was the wonders from that thing mm-hmm. we do and probably similar to uh eric in that the whole movie is about them so you know it's integral to the movie um you get a lot of material too um with some of these bands we'll talk about you really only get one song or snippets here and there in the movie but you know they play that thing you do in the movie several times all the way through there's a live (laughs) version there's a studio version you hear them recording it but then you get other snippets um either partial songs or um, on the soundtrack obviously you get the full song so you kind of you get what feels like a very real band um and you know i think they also nail the you know sometimes it's in these movies they have a difficult time like nailing like what kind of band is this and like having them sound really authentic and believable and look believable for the whatever era the movie set in and whatever genre they're supposed to be and this is one where like they nail it you know every, all the guys in the band look like they would be in a band at that time the style the music the songwriting like you know they kind of hit that dave clark five kind of feel for you know a lot of the material um and you know, even in, even the the bands that kind of put around them, you know, they have some other, when they, when they go on tour, you hear some other uh, songs and material and even all that stuff is just so like mid early sixties pop, like nailed, you know, it's totally authentic and believable. Um, it's just all so well done. And um, the songs are pretty, pretty, pretty great. I mean, that thing you do is a legitimate, that's a legitimate hit song. <laughs> Like, you know, and it was written for a movie, but like everything yeah. about it, you're like, yeah. it's catchy as hell. Uh, the performance is fantastic. You know, you totally believe it. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the one that really pops in my, my head first. That's also on my list. And I couldn't find my copy of the soundtrack. But two things I would add are uh, it's referenced in the Nuggets box set liner notes. As as being some something that kind of brought more attention to that that late sixties uh, pop garage rock era. And the second thing is that it's not a one to one example, but in a lot of ways, it could almost be the prequel to Still Crazy, because the the Wonders could be the Still Crazy guys if you made a film about what they were doing in the nineteen nineties. Oh uh, yeah, and actually, that would be interesting for uh, Tom Hanks to maybe revisit that film all these years later with the story of where those guys were 30 years later right right 25 right. years yeah. later or whatever that'd be fun and and actually the, all the music for that movie is really good like when they go out on that tour um with the and it's the group and they have like the the female um soul singers um that are sort of in the vein of like martha and the vandellas like they're really good and then they have like the um the like nancy sinatra style singer like all that stuff is like really well done i don't know um you know adam schlesinger wrote the i believe the the theme song that that thing you do but i don't know if he was involved with the writing of all those songs or if that was other people but all all the music sounds like totally period correct yeah from what i read uh tom hanks even had a hand in writing some of the some of the songs, at least some of the lyrics and whatnot. So, but yeah, I mean, Adam, I think obviously wrote that thing you do and had to put a yeah. huge stamp on it. But yeah, they, they nail it. Like you totally believe all those bands. Like it just feels real. So uh, related to that, do you guys remember the, uh, the Greg Kin band from the eighties? Oh mm-hmm. yeah. So he, 
Greg Kinn wrote a couple of novels in the, in the 90s that are horror novels. And the first one's about a low budget movie production and there's a band involved. And the second one is about a band that is like the Wonders that go through the same thing. And then the third one is about that band becoming, uh, or one of the members becoming like a, a neo blues guys in the seventies. So that feels like that same time period, I'm assuming Greg Kinn's probably in the same age group as Tom Hanks so that you have these two different types of writers uh, and uh, creators coming at that very similar material from two different points of view. One's doing it from the, the kind of almost fun teen picture feeling of like almost not quite a beach movie, but something close to that for that thing you do. Whereas these books are more like the, the horror version of that. So maybe it's, it's one of those things where you have people of the same age that have the same influences that are putting out their, their same version of uh, the story that's been germinating you know, in their subconscious and probably been talking to people about for years. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the uh, movies and, and bands that I always associate with the 90s is uh, The Commitments. And it has a very, like, special place in my heart. Um, when uh, I was in at Bowling Green, um, for my last full year on campus, I was an RA. I was a resident advisor and our, um, the guy who ran our dorm and he was in charge of all the RAs, he liked to do movie nights. Like he was a huge movie nerd and he loved to do movie nights with the staff. So like once a month we would get together and have a movie night. Cause he had, we didn't know this. This is one of the amazing things. We didn't know that there was actually a massive suite where the, the person who ran the dorm lived in, like it was like this, like the size of like an apartment. And we were living in these like, you know, tiny little boxes in this dorm. And so we walked in there like, Oh my gosh, this is like a whole, this is like a, an actual apartment in here. So anyway, um, I had not seen the commitments and this was like 1998 and the commitments came out in 1991. And, um, it was just a lot of fun. Like I remember watching this and going, is that Glenn Hansard? And it turns out like it is. It's Glenn Hansard plays one of the roles because he was an up and coming musician um, and they wanted to get actual musicians to play a lot of the roles as opposed to people who could like who were an actor, but could maybe learn an instrument or look like they were knew what they were doing. They actually got mu musicians and hired people based on, well, can you kind of act? OK, that's good enough. So besides. um Glenn Hansard, who was just a busking musician in Ireland. Like, I don't even think the frames were a thing yet. Um, Andrea Kaur, who is a member of the Kors, which is an Irish band that's been around for a long time. She's in the band. Um, they were just starting when, uh, when she joined it. And uh, several other folks who have had careers who were just starting out, but... Um, went on to work in like stage, like musicals and stuff like that. We're all a part of this group. And um, I just remember like feeling like this is as close to, you know, with regards to the musicianship and, and everything. When I look back at it now, like it's as close to getting it right where, you know, the practices and the, and the crappiness of gigs sometimes and all that kind of stuff. It really like is a lot of fun in comparison to what, what it's really like, whereas sometimes you watch, especially for people who have been in bands, you watch 
music, you know, movies or TV shows about bands, you're like, that's not what it's like at all. Like that's, this is not realistic, especially for a band on a, on a local level. Like there's not, you don't get people standing in front of the stage at your first gig. That just doesn't happen. You know, you gotta, it, there's, unless you have some sort of hook that are bringing people in and they were, you know, their hook of course, in the commitments was that they were a bunch of Irish people doing amazing American soul music. And, um, with this great lead singer who was a bit of a, uh, who's difficult <laughs> to put it mildly. So that's, that's the one, I mean, the, the, the two that you guys mentioned are always at the top of my mind. Um, cause I'm, I'm one of those people with, with still crazy. I'm like, Oh, if you haven't seen it, you gotta see, it's a good flick and everybody knows that thing you do. So, but the commitments has always been one that I, I like to go back and revisit every once in a while. Have either of you guys seen it? I saw it when it came out. I haven't really seen it since. I remember the soundtrack being huge. I remember there was actually a second volume of the soundtrack that was released yep. because of how big it was. Um, it's it's a film that that's frankly something I need to revisit. It's not it's a film I remember liking, but just for whatever reason did not leave a big impact on me. Would you say that movie's worth a worth a revisit, Tim? Yeah, I just think it it captures a really interesting. I think also because it's, you know, not a U.S. movie. It's a it's everything is it's all in Ireland and it's all the all the actors are Irish. Um, I think it it has an interesting perspective on American soul music, hmm. uh, which they're reinterpreting, and um, it's just it's really well done. And I I what was interesting is that they played a lot of songs, um like dark end of the street or um mustang sally mustang sally that um i kind of knew but i knew them through other artists covering them like i knew dark end of the street because the afghan wigs had covered it as a b-side and i had never heard like the original version and then i heard them do it and i was like oh i know this song and then i went back and actually found the original like james carr version from you know the 1950s or whatever it was um, and, uh, it really, it, this and, you know, a few other bands really made me sort of dive into stuff that I wasn't as familiar with, uh, in terms of like Otis Redding and, um, Sam Cooke and Al Green and, and those kind of artists that I had not really listened to that much. Cause that wasn't really around when I was growing up. It just wasn't in, you know, my parents didn't own records and I was listening to pop radio. So I didn't have any other than like classic rock radio there. You had to turn on like AM radio to listen to those artists. Those weren't on F- FM was all like, you know, Led Zeppelin and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. So it, this was actually, it was a good introduction to a lot of artists that I would end up really liking, uh, much later. Um, as far as TV shows, so we mentioned three movies. Um, are there any TV shows with either um, uh, music that popped up, uh, you know, in, in terms of like a special appearance by a fake band or that incorporated a band into the uh, storyline of the TV show that you guys r- remember or particularly enjoyed? I don't think we need to talk too long about this, but of course, uh, my so-called life had animal bag and first episode. And 
then of course the uh the jordan Canalano character is playing music yes and uh, his um, his sad grunge and, band and, yeah although let, let me go off script here and uh throw out daria with mystic spiral <laughs> that's right When the death rays harm, when the bombers bomb, we'll still be freaking friends. When the whip comes down, when they nuke the town, when dead clouds can't clown, we'll still be freaking friends. Freaking friends, freaking friends, till we come to bad ends, we're freaking friends. Freaking friends, freaking friends, till we come to bad ends, we're freaking friends. When the skeeter bites. I'm, I'm, I think Daria might be the most 90s television series out there, and I love it for it. But yes. And they also had a boatload of great uh, songs on the soundtrack, and I think that's what kept it off of physical media for a while. But uh, Daria's friend Jane's brother, Trent, in his band Mystic Spiral, it's uh, great because they're always kind of just on the edge of actually playing or actually having a song um just so we are completists uh the band from my so-called life was frozen embryos okay (laughs) (laughs) that's what they they didn't have a name um until rayanne i believe joined the band uh and then she like i think she flipped out when you know when they actually tried to uh play the show with her and, and she like lost it and ran off stage. <laughs> um, True story. Uh, a band that I, a lot of you probably know of. They did the theme song for the show uh, Rescue Me. Their lead singer famously was uh, beaten in the street by Jack White. Their original band was called the Baby Killers. And it was kind of a swampy cramps style band. And uh, their original lead singer, she lasted one show for freaking out and running away. Interesting. Now, you you had mentioned Friends, and we all know Smelly Cat okay. from Friends. Yeah. There actually is an episode where Ross and Chandler um, have a new wave band. It's like in flashback, I think. Yes, I, I think I vaguely recall that now that you mention it. It's called Way No Way. <laughs> like was not was. Way No Way. And um, the song was called uh, She Feels Weird Since I've Been Gone. And it involved, it, the plot line involved Ellen Pompeo, who would later end up on Grey's Anatomy for like 50 years. Uh Speaking of um, frozen embryos, there are a lot of terrible band names. <laughs> yeah, from, from from these fake, and I actually read an article about why that is. So okay. somebody who was involved in in production uh, for t- TV shows and movies said, when they uh, it was on AV Club, and they said when they are putting together, you know, when they have to put together a band or or an artist for a fictional TV show, they have to do a search to make sure that these names have never existed. Hmm. So oftentimes, like when you get like way, no way, which is obviously a play on was not was, 
Yeah. They will do that. They will take like a, a real band's name and then try to like play off of it in a ridiculous way that no other band would have actually ever used the name. And so that's how you end up with bands like from Reality Bites. Hey, that's my bike. <laughs> so you say you say way no way. And my first thought is way as in uh, Wayne's World. <laughs> right. Yeah. Speaking of, of bands on TV. And then if you remember Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, Seth Green had a band on that show, and it was called Dingo's Ate My Baby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So here's a question for you. In the movie Can't Hardly Wait, there's a band. Does the band ever play? No idea. I barely, I, I like that movie. I've watched it probably four or five times in my life. I have no memory of the band. It was Breckenmeyer on lead vocal, okay. dressed like a count. Um, it was uh, Donald Faison, who was on Scrubs. He's on drums. Mm-hmm. And then it was two other guys that I, I don't know who they are, but they were on like bass and guitar. And the band's called Love Burger with an umlaut over the U. <laughs> and if you remember the the they get into a fight because the guitar player wants to wear the shirt um stage at the house party and they're like you can't wear the shirt of your own band and i think what happens is they start to play and they like count in one two three four and that's when the cops break down the door at the end of the end of the movie when the party gets broken up mm-hmm. So that is like the think, great unknown. Like, what did Love Burger sound like? They could have been amazing. <laughs> but we have don't either, know. Have either of you seen the show called The Middleman? This is this is probably from the last ten years. No, but I've heard of it. Uh, there is uh, there's a character named Noser who plays in a band, and it's obvious that they couldn't afford any music rights. So the way they get around that is the characters will say, "Do you know this song?" And he'll be like, "Yeah, I know that." And that's kind of how they. They indicate that he his band played at the party or whatever. So it's actually a really fun show. I think it was on ABC Family. You can find it on DVD. It's maybe perfect for introducing a tween to kind of horror, sci-fi, monster kinds of things because it's funny and light. So at any rate, that's the idea of a, the band never playing, I think. Do you know that song? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did get some comments over Patreon. I want to bring them up. Scott Hallgram said, this would have made a great April Fool's episode. I don't know why. Uh, We just actually, like, seriously review one of the... Yeah. Well, we might get there. Uh, I really like the production on uh, (laughs) Natalie's Freezing News, you know, single. He said, I'm not sure about the best band, but the best song is clearly Touch Me, I'm Dick by Citizen Dick. (laughs) Um, he also said, my friends and I used to host viewing parties of the Heights and mock it the entire hour, mostly hair puns since the band cared more about their hair than their songs or really anything else. Well, let's keep in mind here that the Heights had a number one song. 
It did. So there was there was some attention paid to it, if you consider pop songwriting and charting as any sign of that. But yeah, the song from that show went to number one, which I totally forgot about. So the the main research I did for this episode is watching an episode of The Heights, and I can <laughs> confirm that the hair was glorious and again crucial, very important. Yes. Is that the it last a, time that that's happened with regard, or did like did any Hannah Montana chart? Because she was a band, I don't right? No, yeah, uh, yeah. Or I guess you know what? I, 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 I guess um, Glee probably had some, yeah, hit singles. But, but those I know are they kind put out of, albums. The, that's kind of a gray area, though, because Glee was. I mean, obviously, it's all about right. Those are covers. Glee Club, and it's all covers. Yeah, which was great. A lot of songs got some exposure, but. Not like an out of nowhere song that is uh, that's in the show as opposed to maybe the theme song. I mean, the Friends theme song was was a big hit, and uh, you know other shows have had big big hits with their theme songs. Right. Uh, now Darren Leach had some comments. He uh, he mentioned Citizen Dick from Singles. He mentioned Wild Stallions from Bill and Ted, which. Of course, we've got to mention Wild Stallions. Have, have either of you seen the new movie? I have not, but I, I would like to. What I've heard is it's fun and it's kind of what you want in, from a Bill and Ted film and that everyone had the memo about the kind of film they were making. Well, that's good. I like everybody to be on the same page. I'm glad John Wick <laughs> didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> no one's doing Shakespeare. Um, some mention of bands from 2000 did get thrown in. We're going to be okay since, since, uh, these artists also have hits in the nineties. Um, that of course would be Sonic, Death Monkey, Kathleen Turner, Overdrive, Barry Jive, and the Uptown Five from High Fidelity. The book was written in 1995 and the movie came out in 2000. So of course that is the, um, unimpeachable Mr. Jack Black from, uh, from, (laughs) (laughs) from high fidelity which honestly his version of let's get it on at the end of that movie is pretty fantastic it is and let me also mention that there really was a alternative band in the 90s called uh kathleen turner overdrive i actually have their disc they were an atlanta band that that featured one of the members of driving and crying and for those of you who are in election mode uh there's a song called red white and screwed that you might want to check out (laughs) nice i believe that Um, it's up on spotify at this point what was the name of the fictional band from that movie that they they, the two skater kids that they make a big deal about the demo tape that you hear for like you hear it like at the at the record release party you can hear it played over the pa um a little bit uh something with a wheelchair yes that was the song maybe (sighs) uh, because i remember the like the album cover has like, like something grandma, I stole grandma's wheelchair or something like that, or it's probably not right. You got to get, you got to Google that. I'm looking. I'll, I'll mention some of the other Darren Leach picks here. Uh, the Simpsons had an episode that uh, revisited um, Marge and, and Homer in the 90s as if they were going through grunge. And there, there was a band called Sadgasm, and, <laughs> and the two songs were. There was a song called Margarine, which was actually 
a take on Bush's Glycerine. And then another one called Shave Me, which was a take on Nirvana's Rape Me. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Simpsons are so good. The band was called the Kinky Wizards. Yes. Kinky Wizards. <laughs> Should have remembered that. What was the name of the song? Do you remember? Do you know? Oh, geez, Tim. I thought there was like a something. in. Okay. There Maybe was something just, about mom's wheelchair. Yeah. Something, something like that. Yeah. Um, Darren Leach also mentioned the wonders, uh, Citizen Dick and the weird I sisters. I believe that's the Oneaters. No, the Oneaters. Exactly. Um, I sold my mom's wheelchair. There, there it is. Go. That's it. <laughs> Um, the Weird Sisters is from Harry Potter, and um, it was a supergroup comprised of Jarvis Cocker and Steve Mackey from Pulp, along with Johnny Greenwood and Phil Selway of Radiohead. And for some reason, in the book, they're not called the Weird Sisters. They're called something else, because I know this because my daughter has read them. Um, but they changed the name for the for the movie. And then Richard Waterman also brought up a 2000s band, which is Stillwater from Almost Famous, which in terms of musical, like, accuracy, those songs by Stillwater are really good. Like Fever Dog, and then the one that sounds like Bad Company, where they play with the piano. Like, those are really good songs. I know Ann uh, Wilson had a hand in, was it Ann or Nancy? Ann Wilson and um, Nancy Wilson. Nancy Wilson, I believe, is the one that was married oh, to Cameron and Crow. You're right, Nancy. And then um, Peter Frampton wrote, I guess, a, the, the music. And Cameron Crow apparently had a role playing, writing some of the lyrics, too. Gotcha. And yeah, there's I a agree. six song like, EP. They nailed. Oh, really? Yeah, it's available with the deluxe version of the DVD. Six full songs. Mm, I want to get that. I know. Me too. I didn't know that until I read Richard's comment. <laughs> but, but what's so what's so brilliant about that is like they are um, like they say in the movie, like they are a middle tier <laughs> rock and roll band, and they sound like a middle tier rock and roll band. Like I, I think I'm with you. Like I think the songs are like really good, but they don't sound like Led Zeppelin. You know what I mean? You're no, like, no. Yeah, this sounds like a really solid like Bad Company, you know, type <laughs> band. Exactly. But the middle tier. <laughs> Once again, it could almost be a prequel to Still Crazy. Yep. Yeah, it's in that same time frame, like in in terms of the in terms of uh, when that all occurs. Um, Are there any bands uh, that we haven't mentioned so far that you think are worth uh, mentioning? Unfortunately, I do have to mention that when I was going down my rabbit hole of watching stuff, I revisited Coming to America with uh, Randy Watson and sexual chocolate. And that is simply one of the greatest, like two minutes of music on film. Yeah. His take on the greatest love of all is just mind bendingly great. So I've got one that, that let's see what you guys think about this. Let's first, let's see if you've ever heard of this. This is the soundtrack to Ed's next move. No idea what that is. Band called Ed's redeeming qualities. So if you look at the cover there, those are the stars of the film. Kelly Thorne, who's probably most famous for Homicide Life on the Streets. She had a show called Rest Necessary Roughness a couple of years ago. And uh, Matt, I forget his last name, but he was in um, uh, Matt Ross, 
he's probably most famous for being in Silicon Valley at this point. Oh, okay. He is a guy from Wisconsin that is a uh, geneticist who gets a job in New York. He moves to New York and he meets this woman, uh, Kelly Thorne, who plays violin and sings in a band called Ed's Redeeming Qualities. Now, Ed's Redeeming Qualities is actually a functioning band. They were on Rounder Records, so they're kind of that that alternative folk, alternative country sound. And there are a couple performances in the movie, and there are a couple times when she goes to practice or whatnot. It's it's a it's a very charming little indie film. Uh, if you're like me and you like uh, '90s indie rom coms where the men aren't complete idiots, it's worth tracking down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the music's actually pretty great. Um, they, there's there's some other bands on the soundtrack that. Some are good, some are not so great, but the uh, Ed's Redeeming Quality songs on here are kind of a little bit snarky, a little bit fun, a little bit sarcastic, but still kind of gentle. You twisted your ankle, I carried you. You got a divorce, so I married you. You fell off a cliff, so I buried you. I wish there were more bad times to see you through. You never had rabies. You never gained weight. You never came home with a scar. You never drank poison. You watched what you ate. You never so much as put a scratch on my car. You twist. Definitely think it's it's something that if you like that that kind of coffee house, um, you know, sarcastic '90s sound that, that you might really dig. I think we have to talk about uh, a band and a movie that most of our listeners, I assume, are, have seen because it was on basic cable nearly every day, and that's Airheads. Yes, uh, and the unfortunately named the Lone Rangers, which was the band. You don't want to talk about the Sons of Thunder? <laughs> what was we, that? We, we already we already talked about them. That's the Galactic Cowboys. Where, that was their oh, 90s yeah, yeah, yeah. film yeah, appearance. Yeah, yeah. They right. were like the, the the big crazy metal band that rightfully the uh, the Lone Rangers were were competing with or uh, were disdainful of, I should say. And the thing that always bothered me about that was so i that, i guess that movie came out in 94 mm-hmm. and it always felt like the the band and the music in it was not right like it wasn't grungy enough and it wasn't like yeah 90s enough it was too 80s because or, it's not it's a it's a cover of the 80s hardcore punk band reagan youth oh wow okay degeneration yeah. one of their songs Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, the the originals, so when I say hardcore, I don't mean like necessarily like Black Flag or something really uh, loud, fast, and inaccessible. I mean more of that that kind of fast, snotty, um, like mid, mid-80s hardcore sound. Mm. And for the film, they kind of glammed it up a little bit, which isn't the worst way to make it a little more accessible but you're right it should have been more like my sister's machine or uh yeah 
trying to think of other bands that I don't have in the hopper for someday picking that were like <laughs> third tier bands. Um, right, right, right. You know, it may, maybe should have been a little, yeah, like a little more. My Sister's Machine is the one that I, are you familiar with? My yeah. Sister's Machine, yeah. kind of a sub Alice in Chains or Alice mm-hmm. in Chains adjacent band. Yep. That's what I think the the Lone Rangers should have sounded like. And that was the kind of the look I think they were going for when that, for the band, like they kind of are in that like Alice in, early Alice in Chains kind of yeah. look. Um, but just, it just never was believable to me. <laughs> you know, I know it's a comedy, but you're like, still, even with the, you know, I will say this, it, do, it's, it's it kind is of a great song. You believe the band is real. You're right. But it, that is a great song. I think yeah. I, I, I will defend that song as being solid. You guys ready to get real, real into the minutia right, net right now? <laughs> Cause I got some, I got some great ones. These are ones you'll be like, Oh Yeah. But they're so obscure. Some it, it, can I probably okay? Can I talk about two really quickly? Do it. So one of the biggest soundtracks of the decade. People totally forget that the main character was also a musician, the Crow. Oh, he was supposed was he? to be the song. It can't rain all the time. Was supposed to be the song. I believe that the 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 Crow character Eric Draven that was his band single. So there's the Crow. Oh, and, and then um, I have not seen this in forever, and I actually have a soundtrack. But film Suburbia, not Suburbia, the Penelope Spheres punk film, but mm-hmm. the '90s one. Uh, the character that is coming back to town is a musician, and there's a lot of talk about how he did some flute music at graduation, and everyone can't believe that he's a big music star now. So there's that. Okay. Okay. Hit me with it. Fuck you, Yankee blue jeans. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I- I'm going to sing the song and you're going to know what it is. My love for you is like a truck berserker. Would clerks. you like? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the name of the band. And they're actually wearing the t-shirt in giant silent Bob strike back. And it says, fuck you, Yankee blue jeans. <laughs> But that it's now that a you friend, mentioned it, I go ahead. Of, it's, it's a friend of um, uh, a co- it's Silent Bob's cousin Olaf, who's from Russia, and he <laughs> fronts a metal band, and that's the band, and that's his song. It's Berserker. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's yeah, that's that's a great one. Also, do you guys remember the Flintstones movie with John Goodman? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The B-52s appear, the B-52s appear as the B-C-52s, and they play a song (laughs) called the Bedrock Twitch, which is actually played on the radio in the car, like, earlier in the movie, but they're they're in the movie at a gig.
told you I was gonna go. I was gonna get some obscurity, obscure ones in here. Those are some. Those are like some classic ones where you're like, oh yeah. So one I had in that vein was uh, that I'm a huge fan of Big Lebowski, but I forgot <laughs> that Autobahn <laughs> plays such a huge role in the movie. Nice. How did this not come to me sooner? Yeah, Yeah. I'm feeling stupid for missing that one. That's uh, (laughs) one of my top 10 films. So, Um, another one from the 90s that we can't forget is Zack Attack. Do we remember Zack Attack? Are they like the, the, uh, the Zit Solution or whatever it was from Degrassi? They were, they were unsaved by the bell. Yes. Zack. Screech, Slater, Lisa, and Kelly. And their song was called Did We Ever Have a Chance? And it shows them like playing in clubs. Like there's a video, you can watch the whole video on on YouTube. And then they're like in the studio recording. Like there's a whole montage of of them doing their thing. And it's the the song is horrific. I mean, it is just like one of the worst things. What I found, I didn't really think about it but you know i mentioned sadgasm from the simpsons there are a ton of fake artists from the simpsons with like little snippets of music i mean they might just sing like one line from like a bad song that you know is only exists for that 10 seconds but if you there's a website called fakebands.com it's the rocklopedia fake bandica and you can go there by year and look things up and almost every um, like every other uh entry is a fake band from The Simpsons. It's hilarious how many, um, how many fake bands existed just from on the uh, just from on The Simpsons. So can can we uh, talk about a movie that maybe has one of the most famous fake artists of the '90s? A movie that is uh, beloved by many, hated hated by many where the uh, the fake artist actually has his own annual day. Do you know where I know I'm going where with this? I know where you're going with this. This is where you can drop in the clip, right? Of yes. uh, Rex Manning from Empire <laughs> Records. <laughs> yep. You know, whatever else you can say about this movie, I like to rewatch it sometimes just for the fashion and the slang and to see what 1994 or whatever it was looked like to a certain degree. Um I like that it's not a super glossy, um, you know, L.A. Everyone's got the latest fashions and haircuts and cars. Everything looks a little bit more lived in, a little more like middle America if or, you know, second or third city America. And that people talk about music in this film and they talk about a lot of different kinds of music. And mm-hmm. in at its best moments, it's a celebration of people connecting uh, around music. So. Yeah. And you want to know what's funny is that when I, I saw that movie, when it came out and when I saw it, I didn't know that Guar were a real band. They seem so like I, a fake band. They seem like <laughs> a fake band. When I saw the movie, I was like, Oh, this is, well, this is terrifying. And um, yeah. So. I didn't know that, but yes, uh, Rex Manning Day is celebrated. What year? What is it in? Like May or something? I forgot when. Something. When Rex Manning Facebook Day. Facebook will exactly. tell you. Yeah, exactly. Everyone will remind you. You'll get the. Um, 
uh, the reminder. April 8th. Oh, April, April. I was, I was a month ahead. Um, let's see. Were there other mentions in the comment? I think we got to all the comments mentions. So I, we, we talked briefly about the Heights in looking yes. into the Heights. There was a Canadian show called catwalk. Did you guys stumble across this at all? No, that, that was about a band. Uh, and the setting was kind of slightly futuristic and f- slightly dark cyberpunky. Uh, probably the most famous person to be in it was Nev Campbell, but apparently the music was from the same people that wrote the music for the Heights. Oh, so they were like just going around the world making yeah, making and this show lasted music. This show lasted two seasons. <laughs> okay. Uh, there was some other ones. Let me find my. Uh, let me get back to my list here. Um, while you're looking I'll throw another one out there yeah please do uh, the, the hot rats or the wild rats from the velvet goldmine film Yeah. oh that's right that's what I wanted to yes there's a ton of great music I mean some of it is covers but yeah and the uh, Venus and Furs yes who is uh, who all are in like playing the real is I it believe placebo it's- no, it's, it's some of it, at least the, the Wild Rats, which is supposed to be Iggy and the Stooges, uh, is actually Ron Ashton from the Stooges, Jay Maskus from Dinosaur Jr. I want to say somebody from Sonic Youth and maybe Mike Watt from the Minutemen. There was a, that group of people that uh, the Boston's like 90s alternative scene, plus plus member of the Stooges, plus whoever else that was that was in that. Uh, let's see. Do I have it here? And I think Venus and Furs was like Shudder to Think and then different singers like Ewan McGregor sings one of the songs. And Yeah. Well, I thought that isn't there Tommy a scene Wilson when they're in a bar and there's a band playing 20th Century Boy and I think it's Placebo that's playing That's Placebo. It? Yeah. yeah. There's but they're just be... Okay. I don't know if they, I mean, on the soundtrack is listed as Placebo and it's a 20th Century Boy. I don't remember in the movie if they had a different name. Yeah, good Good point. Um, there were a lot of sketch shows too, like Mr. Show and um, Kids in the Hall all had fake bands for various episodes or, or fake artists. Um, Herman Menderchuk's Armada featuring Fran Torkelson from Kids in the Hall. <laughs> there you go. And there's a there's a band in the in the Brain Candy movie as well. Yes. Which I think this isn't like Cancer Boy. Is that the name of the song? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that film once and I probably need to see it again because I think it all went right over my head. Yeah, that, that movie. I remember it because um, Tragically Hip is featured, you know, has some songs in it. And I didn't know what the hell was going on because I didn't really watch Kids in the Hall that much. Oh, I caught like a couple Hall's episodes. So good. More, okay. Maybe, you know, I mentioned Daria. As far as nailing the Gen X experience, Kids in the Hall, I think, did it best. There's one we need to address because I don't know if there's any other category we'll ever be able to cover it. And that is Chris Gaines. Oh. The alter ego of Garth Brooks that was supposed to be in a movie called The Lamb. 
but got canceled because of the failure of the Chris Gaines Greatest Hits album <laughs> that came out in 1999. I think they got it backwards. Like, don't you do the movie first, and then if the music movie's successful, then you invest in actually like creating the album you for the think. artist. Think <laughs> you do the movie, and then the album is the soundtrack. Yeah, like Crazy Heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, Chris or or sorry, excuse me, Garth thought that he had the, you fooled. He, he did have me fooled. I didn't know <laughs> what was going on. Um, he wanted to establish Chris Gaines as a legitimate artist with a soul patch and his hair combed forward. I think he probably went about it the wrong way. He should have put yeah. on a seven inch on like a little label. <laughs> It came, it came right out with the greatest hits. You know, send it to Maximum Rock and Roll, have them shit on it. <laughs> the whole, the whole, you know, you got to build these things. Yeah. Um, and then there's also, uh, there was a, a pretty mediocre movie that came out um, in 1999 called The Suburbans. Do you? You're yeah. either of you, this has Will Ferrell. That's the only like yep. major actor that's in it. Besides well, Jennifer Love Hewitt's in it. I was um, say, yep. And they're basically a bunch of guys who were in a band um, who are past their prime. They had a one hit wonder in the eighties and the, this record company person who's played by Jennifer Love Hewitt wants to get them back together. They had a single called by my side. It's, it's not a watchable movie. I mean, it's a pretty bad movie, but uh, it did have a single <laughs> or it did have a music, it did have actual music. Um, and people like, because it takes place in the eighties, then you have like a flock of seagulls show up at one point, like, and, and, and Dick Clark's in it <laughs> making a rare appearance. I'm kidding. Cause he was in a lot of stuff as himself. He was always himself. Um, any others that uh, you guys would like sure. to uh, to mention? Oh, go ahead because this movie got brought up, but we we missed the music in it. Go ahead. Have you seen or heard Hardcore Logo? No. Nineteen ninety six Canadian film by Bruce McDonald. It's about the uh, former members of a punk band called Hardcore Logo. And I believe it's their final tour. It's actually a pretty great looking movie. Um, that one is, is kind of uh, interesting. Once again, it's one that I, I saw at the time and really enjoyed, but I have, have not revisited it, revisited it in several years. There's also, <clears throat> excuse me, a film called Girl, 
from the late 90s with uh, Dominique Swain. And she is a high school girl that's about to graduate and is looking to lose her virginity and get sucked into, I believe it's the Portland music scene of the era and starts dating a musician. Uh, it's another one, it's on Amazon Prime, but there's no physical media release besides the old VHS. So that is out there as well. Okay, this is the one I almost forgot. Crucial Taunt. Yes, from <laughs> Wayne's World. From Wayne's World. Featuring from- Mark Ferrari on guitar. Yes. <laughs> Tia C- Carrera making her... And, the, um, uh, and Anthony Fox on drums doing the very spot-on uh, show drummer style with the high sticks and the... <laughs> that was another film like The Commitments that introduced a lot of people to music that might have heard you know off and on over the years but ballroom blitz has has now become like the go-to cover for so many or or needle drop to signify early 70s glam kind of thing and also dreamweaver i believe is on that soundtrack Mm -hmm. yeah when when they're playing in some club and like rob lowe is there to scout them um Mike Myers is is watching the band and then Tia Carrera like locks eyes with him and then Dreamweaver starts playing. It's very it's a uh, very emotional. <laughs> they do uh what two or three songs. I think there's a couple songs on the soundtrack and then I think there's maybe three in the movie. Yeah, when they're playing that, I mean maybe it's an older cover, I, but I feel like I it's think a T- for the Tia movie. Carrera is singing all of it too. possibly yeah it might actually be those guys in the movie also perform the music possibly which isn't always the case with most of these we've gone through we haven't really covered that um if any of them are actually the people you see any others uh is this a real band you tell me this film's called detroit rock city and they're going to see some band called Kiss. <laughs> now there is a fake band in that. The the guys that are in high school are in a band called Mystery. Oh, okay. But I don't know if they actually show them playing or not, or if they just allude to the fact that they're in that band. I don't know if I don't remember, but I remember that from doing reading because I was like, "Is there a fake band in that movie?" And I looked at yeah. it mentions that the the kids are in a band called Mystery, but I don't remember if they um, actually play. I wanted to look, like that movie way more than I did. Yeah, it was not. It, it was it was not memorable or all that great. There was also a TV show created by the folks who did Saved by the Bell called California Dreams. Do you guys remember this? Mm-hmm. I've seen the um, name. It was about a a pop rock band uh, in a California high school. And um, they had an, a song called Jake's Song because uh, the a guy joined the band named Jake. Uh, and then they did uh, a couple other, they did a couple of originals, but it was on for like a couple years. It was on from 1992 to 1996. That's actually four years. 
Yeah. Um, but I don't remember, I don't recognize like any of the actors. They're all like teenage actors. Well, supposed to be teenagers. They might have been, you know, in their 20s, like, like 90210. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the list for me. I'm tapped out. Oh. <laughs> Hold on. You got, you got any, Jay? Mm, no, I think we got everything. Well, my list too. okay. So there is a 1996 film called Bandwagon. It's about a guy named Tony who gets fired from his job, but he doesn't really care because he wants to play in a band called Circus Monkey. You can find this on YouTube. Um, I watched it once. I recall it being okay. But I, it's something that's been pointed, that I've been pointed to at least once regarding uh, films with music or films around bands. There's also, I believe, uh, in the film Glory Days. Anybody seen Glory Days with Ben Affleck, Sam Rockwell? It's about, it's it's kind of a, it's the last year of college at a state school for- Is it with a Z? A yes. Okay, yeah. So the characters, they all live in this house together and they have a band. And they're going to play a big, they're, they're all about to graduate, but they don't really want to move on. So they decide they're going to stay and they throw a big party and their band plays. And then they decide one by one, forget it. We're just going to, we're just going to get on with our lives. Um, it, it's an interesting film. The band is just kind of there. It seems like uh, any band or any film about college kids that live in a house together eventually is going to have at least somebody in the, that, uh, group that's in a, in a band how did, how did i not see this uh matthew biconaghy's in it uh he i don't i matt damon is in it matt um, damon brendan frazier brendan frazier has one scene with Le- leah remy that's hysterical it's got a great oh. punk rock soundtrack if you've ever seen noah Baumbach's kicking and screaming which is a film i really like this is like this if kicking and screaming is the ivy league version of gen x not wanting to leave college Glory Days is the state school version of that. Uh, two that uh, Jim Copany sent me an email and he mentioned uh, Josie and the Pussycats from 2001. Yeah. And Streets of Fire from 1984. Ellen the Attack. If we want to talk about 80s films, we can definitely talk about. <laughs> have you seen Streets of Fire? No, I should have because it's uh, it's got a good... Cast and a director. It's Walter Hill doing a Western in a slightly more neon lit looking uh, like setting that would be out of the Warriors. And it's it's basically (laughs) Michael Pere as John Wayne off to save the the woman from the the biker gang. Uh, The Blasters are actually performing it. And um, the big hit was I Can Dream About You by Dan Hardman. I love Hartman. that song. I love and then that there's song. T- there's two great, um, two great like total Jim Steinman who wrote them like rocker ballads in it as well. That are uh, a band from Boston called Face to Face. Uh, yeah, highly recommended. Love that film. There's a, there's a great Blu-ray. The soundtrack's great too. But that is definitely. I mean, then we if you want to get into the '80s, we can talk about like. We're not going to go down that road. <laughs> Nile Dresden or whatever. So, yeah, that that's a whole nother thing. We'll do it that is. in the yeah. '80s episode. 
Yeah. I just want to, because Jim contributed though, so I want to throw him in. That's fine. Uh, yeah, there was a little, I felt like there was a little, uh, we, we've touched on him, I think, but a bit of a, a surge in early 2000s, right? Because you get a high fidelity, you get mm-hmm. almost famous, you get Josie and the Pussycats. Mm-hmm. Um, were there some other ones? Like there was a little Steel window Dragon. of time there. Yeah, you get with Rockstar. Yep, you get Rockstar. There's like a two or three year window where mm-hmm. there was a lot of movies about featuring bands. Yep. Yeah, that definitely happened. I don't know what that. I don't. They were just trying to cash in on all the, you know, I, those screenplays were probably written in the '90s and then they got made yeah. in the 2000s. So that makes sense. If either of you seen a film called Glory or um, Garage Days? That's Alex Proibus's film after Dark City. I think it's from 2000. It's it's a it's about a, a garage band in Australia and their struggle to uh, to make it and I, it's it's worth watching so I won't reveal the punchline but it's definitely it was probably written at the end. it was the thing he did right after Dark City um, and it's 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 a lot of fun or I think it's a lot of fun yeah it's a 2002 so it's okay right. yeah so it was probably made right there at the end of the the 90s and in, into the early 2000s thought process yeah. but. That's definitely an interesting film. I'll have to check that out. I guess it also does kind of coincide when rock pretty much started to disappear from the pop charts too. Yeah. That little last little burst of like, no, we're still here. There's some, I think Detroit city came around around that time. Like there was a little burst there. This is, this is where MTV is moving away from, from actually showing music and videos and, Mm-hmm. You know, the media consolidation across the board and radio formats changing. And, yep. uh, you know, uh, related to this, um, our local alternative station finally switched formats after 30, almost 30 years this, this earlier this week. But I think a lot of, uh, in the early 90s, there were a lot of stations that wanted to become alternative or modern rock and did not last more than a couple of years in that format. So... Hey, uh, speaking of that, CD101, which was CD1025, and then they went off the air, they're back, 92.9. They found a new signal. They just keep they bouncing off the, the airways. Okay. Well, what, How did they go off the they They like lost the lease on their signal. You know, they got like bought out because they, they didn't own their signal. Somebody oh, okay. else owned it and they were renting it. And then they, that person sold it off to somebody else. So they are, they've been off the off the air for like a month. Oh. So completely so, off topic from this episode. Yes. Episode. But you're right about the the uh, that's when stuff becomes. And I recall Kurt Loder mentioning the year of the was it something to the effect of now we're in the hyper poppy times when you know Spice Girls and yeah and Think and Backstreet Boys started to to infiltrate the charts. Right. And they would have movies documenting. Yeah, which which kind of makes Josie and the Pussycats a very, like, looking back, and I recently rewatched it, I was like, wow, this movie is, like, kind of important. It is. <laughs> like, I, I could, didn't know it at the time, but, like, looking back, I was like, oh, my God, it just captured that moment you're talking about, Eric, of, like, this conflict between pop and, like, authenticity. And, like, I, I recently watched it as well. And, it, it, it's a that's a film that's grown a cult following. Uh, one of my favorite recent podcast episodes or 
moments was on uh, the movies that made me podcast director Joe Dante being recommended Josie and the Pussycats by the guy that wrote A History of Violence and him saying, oh, it's so great. you got to watch it. But you mentioned the Spice Girls. That Spice Girls movie is actually quite entertaining as well. And it's it's kind of a also a zany, almost parody of of pop rock films in a lot of ways. Hmm. I watched that several years ago and I was amazed about how uh, as to how watchable it was. Uh, well, when we're done with this, would you please go watch Glitter and see if that holds up? No. <laughs> <laughs> nice okay. try. Yikes. All right. I'm going to wrap it up here. We've hit the uh, well over the hour mark. Uh, Eric, thanks for uh, for joining us. No problem. Uh, thanks for, for having this, me. For this triangular roundtable. And uh, I want to remind everyone that uh, they can go to digmeoutpodcast.com to suggest an album for a monthly poll. Nine or eight episodes or nine or eight uh, albums go up every month for us to vote on as a patron or for you to vote on, vote on as a patron. And that's also where you can go to sign up for the Box Newsletter, which gets delivered every week in your email and at Patreon. Uh, new album reviews, our calendar, keeping track of new albums, movies, and books relevant to 80s and 90s music. And of course, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us some positive feedback over at Apple Podcasts. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. How do you talk?